God's created universe is so vast and mysterious that it's hard to comprehend even the little bit we know about it. One of the mysteries of space is black holes. What are they? Where are they? And do they really exist in the first place? Stay tuned. When I look at things like black holes, it's like so much else in the world of astronomy. It's testimony to the wisdom of our Creator. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Science fiction writers for years have capitalized on the idea of massive black holes in space that devour and destroy astronauts, or that act as tunnels to other dimensions and worlds beyond. Science fiction aside, what do we really know about this phenomenon in deep space? Why not come with us for the next 15 minutes as we explore the daunting realm of black holes? So just what is a black hole? Dr. Danny Faulkner, astronomer with the University of South Carolina, Lancaster, explains. The easiest definition for a black hole would be it's an object that has so much matter packed into such a small area of space that the gravity is very strong, so strong that nothing, even light itself, can't escape. And since black is the absence of light, it would appear dark since light can't be given off by it. And since anything falling into it can't get back out again, it's a hole. So that term was coined really in the late 1960s when the modern theories of black holes were developed. Where do black holes come from? The uh, most common idea is we have what are called stellar black holes. These are things that have masses so up to maybe 10 or 20, 30 times the mass of the sun. And the theories generally come down to this idea that uh, you have titanic explosions called supernovae when massive stars end their lives. And the outer layers of the star are blown away. And what remains is the inner core of the star and that would be the black hole. And to form a black hole through a supernova, these stars would have to be much larger than our sun. We measure stars according to how many masses they have compared to the sun. So a star of the same mass as the sun would have one solar mass. The least massive stars are apparently around 7 or 8% the sun's mass. The most massive apparently around 50. Those are very rare. For a star to become a supernova, it's going to have to have a mass probably 5 or 10 times that of the sun, and the lower mass stars of the supernovae would become neutron stars. Only the most massive stars would actually leave behind a black hole. Dr. Donald DeYoung is author of the book Astronomy and the Bible. Black holes are thought to result when certain massive stars collapse at the end of their life. When a star grows old and its nuclear fires quit, the massive star shrinks. First, it's millions of miles in size then moon size, then like a basketball, and finally no size at all. Gravity squeezes the original star to zero size and infinite density. Black holes may also form with binary stars, two stars in close proximity that interact with one another. Dr. Faulkner. There's a possibility perhaps in some interacting uh, binary stars uh, where you could have the coalescence of a couple of neutron stars. Uh, We think that happens too. But again, it's a, it would be a catastrophic event. It would give off a lot of energy, not exactly like a supernova, but we think gamma ray bursters, for instance. These are things that give off intense bursts, very brief bursts, uh, lasting only a few seconds of gamma rays. I just saw on the news that we launched another satellite called SWIFT to study these gamma ray bursters. And we don't really know much about them. We think those are probably uh, forming 
either more massive neutron stars or probably black holes in many cases. Black holes seem to be shrouded in mystery and are fodder for science fiction. They also have been the target of some pretty outrageous theories, but these ideas are not based in fact. Dr. DeYoung. There are many extreme ideas regarding black holes. For example, some predict that a person could jump into a black hole. Then after sliding through a connecting wormhole, the person might pop out of a white hole somewhere else in space. We certainly know very little about deep space, but black hole transportation is 100% science fiction. Although many strange ideas are thrown about, one thing we do know is that black holes have extreme gravity. Dr. Faulkner. Typically when you have gravity like on the Earth, it takes a certain speed to leave the surface. We call that the escape velocity. For the Earth, it's about 25,000 miles per hour. For a black hole at the surface, it would be about the speed of light. So anything moving slower than the speed of light or at the speed of light couldn't get out. And since nothing can move faster than the speed of light, then uh, nothing can get out, including light. Dr. DeYoung. There would result a no-trespassing boundary around the black hole called the event horizon. This distance may be thought of as the size of the black hole. It can be light years in extent or miles, depending on the mass of uh, the original star. Now, any spaceship crossing the event horizon would be pulled into the black hole with no escape. Shine a light beam at a black hole, and there would be no reflection. Even light itself cannot escape the extreme gravity pull. And for this reason, no one has ever seen a black hole, nor ever will. Because no one has ever really seen or experienced a black hole, some may ask if black holes really exist. Dr. Faulkner. I think there's a lot of evidence for black holes. Uh, I'm a little puzzled, I think, because there are a number of fellow creationists who have a lot of doubts about black holes. I think maybe because they're, they're suspicious that uh, it's some sort of evolutionary idea, but there's really good observational evidence. You may ask, well, how can you see something that doesn't give off any light? And that's a fair question. We find that stars oftentimes are are in binary star systems. These are, we have two stars orbiting around each other, and this is something I've studied quite a bit professionally. And if one of the stars happens to be a black hole, and if the two stars are orbiting each other very closely, then the star we do see, the non-black hole member of the binary, can have material pulled off of it by the black hole. And these materials don't fall directly into the black hole. It tends to kind of orbit around it, spin around it a bit, because of a principle we call conservation of angular momentum. Spinning and orbiting bodies just can't shed that uh, angular momentum very easily. And so as it kind of spirals inward, it forms this very hot disk of material we call an accretion disk. And this temperature gets very high in the accretion disk because it's liberating gravitational potential energy as it falls into this black hole. And the very high temperatures produces x-rays. And x-rays are very difficult to produce. It generally requires a very high temperature, which we don't often see in astronomy. And so when you, you see an x-ray source, it really grabs your attention. So we can take these x-ray binaries, and from studying the orbits, we can figure out the masses of the stars involved. It's sort of like weighing the stars. And if we have an object in the system that's not visible and it has a mass of, say, 
eight or ten times out of the sun, then if it's an invisible object, the only thing it can be is a black hole. We can also speculate on the existence of these objects by observing the effects they have on their partner star. We can see evidence that some of these X-ray sources are indeed in binary systems because they periodically are orbiting toward and away from us, uh, a Doppler effect. Some of these even eclipse. The other star passes in front of the accretion disk and blocks it out. ICR physicist and author Dr. Russell Humphreys agrees that the evidence for black holes is growing. He shares more evidence for their existence. There's certainly evidence in astronomy that uh, is getting stronger and stronger. For example, uh, near the centers of most galaxies, including our own, there appear to be regions that are only a few light years across. These have been seen by the Hubble Space Telescope in other galaxies. And yet, stars are orbiting that dark region at very high speeds. And they could only do so if the region contained the mass of billions of stars. And yet, those stars aren't visible. With this evidence for the existence of black holes, how do creationists view this outer space phenomena? Dr. DeYoung. First, we reject the idea of a slow aging of massive stars finally resulting in black holes. If black holes indeed exist, then the aging must be a very rapid process. Black holes may also have been created from the very beginning of time. This is certainly possible since the universe is filled with unusual stars, including pulsars and red giants. Dr. Faulkner says that like many other things in the universe, black holes point to the creativity of our creator. I think most of us find black holes very fascinating objects, and I think that many times we assume that evolutionary theories can explain all that we see, but I don't think they can. I think there are a lot of mystery left there. And when I look at things like black holes, it's like so much else in the world of astronomy. I'm seeing a tremendous amount of variety. I'm seeing a tremendous amount of creativity. We never cease to be surprised and amazed by these things. And I think it's testimony to the wisdom of our Creator. Dr. Humphreys adds that black holes may actually help support the creationist concept of a young universe. Well, there aren't very many supernovas. There's not much evidence for supernovas in our galaxy. We only have about 7,000 years' worth of supernova remnants that we can see. And not all black holes would come from supernovas, by the way. But it's possible uh, maybe the remnants of a black hole could become a supernova. But anyhow, we only see the remnants from about 200 supernovas in our galaxy. And there should be lots more than that if the galaxy were much older than 7,000 years. So maybe there just hasn't been enough time. He also shares that things like black holes shouldn't be a hindrance to faith in the Creator. Frequently, evolutionists do use the esoteric areas of physics to buffalo the average believer into thinking that the Bible is not reliable. And in particular, uh, the evolutionist will tell the average believer that the Bible's account of a history of things cannot be believed because it's too short only 6,000 years, but the skeptic does not have science on his side in the first place. And in the second place, the believer should never be buffaloed by so-called science because science changes from day to day, and uh, frequently people will reverse themselves 180 degrees. So my urge to the average believer is rely upon the Bible. Just take the Bible straightforwardly. And if any theologian or a church leader, 
or a scientist tells you that the Bible doesn't mean what it appears to be saying, you know right off that there's something wrong with those people and not with the Bible. Those of you who do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, please do not let any doubts about the Bible hinder your taking it straightforwardly and coming to the knowledge of the truth because it's really a much better framework for science than evolutionary theory. So uh, I would say that to both groups of people. Take the Bible straightforwardly and listen to God and do what he says. And uh, what he says about being saved is to accept the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross for our sins and for your sins personally. And once you accept that work, God does a new work in you and makes you a new creation. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.